you make a choice and every single day you make that choice every day it's all about daily practices every day who am i going to be today how do i want to feel hello and welcome to enough the podcast i'm your host mandy leto this show is a mashup of inspiration an exploration around what gets in the way of us feeling good enough. If you're a leader whose life looks shiny and together from the outside, but inside your inner critic assures you that you are one hot mess, this podcast is for you. It's time to own your worth, quirks, foibles, imperfections, and all. Welcome to Enough. Jen Pasteloff, best-selling author of On Being Human, a memoir of waking up, living real, and listening hard, knows shame. She felt shame around her hearing loss. She had an eating disorder. She struggled with depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. And like so many of us, she didn't feel good enough. A turning point was this realization. It's all the things I've been trying to hide or really what the world loves about me or what people, someone else needs to hear or see or feel. And I love her candor about shame loss being ongoing work. It's not a one and done. And I began to realize that it was, it was in the sharing and in the community that I was able to every day put down shame. Jen Pasteloff, one of my sheroes, you are a commitment to imperfection. What do you wish that people understood about shame? Shame doesn't make any motherfucking sense. It's not logical. <laughs> you know, I would talk to people about the shame I felt around my hearing loss. Uh, I don't anymore, and but I used to. And, you know, I've had people look at me like, just such confusion and ask me, I don't, I don't understand. Why would you feel shame or, or why would you feel that way about this? And I like, first of all, shame isn't logical. It's like trying to put it into a box. So I think that's the big thing is, is it's being with that. Like, okay, it's this, this doesn't make any rational sense, quote unquote. Um, and I'm still experiencing it. And the other thing is, you know, I created this program shame loss is um it's a daily practice you know we put it down every single day so i used to think with a lot of things with the inner asshole with shame like i got rid of it that's it <laughs> and then you wake up and there it is again in bed with you the idea that it's like for the rest of your life every day that doesn't mean that it has to be hard and miserable and painful it may be but it's a daily practice like putting it down putting it down so I have a bit of a strange question for you. One of the ways I have learned how to cope with my inner asshole is I named her. I've given her a name. She's called Judgy Janet. And this is an apology to all Janets in the world. But, you know, being a writer, it's the alliteration thing. Does your inner asshole have a name? I think mine is Jen. And I realized that, like, I got to realize that that's part of me, but it's not the whole of me. But no, I just... 
it doesn't have a specific name, just asshole. Mm. But I love the idea of giving it a name. I love it. <laughs> love the idea of naming it because then when it starts to go off on one, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just Janet. And Janet has become part of the family. So I know that Janet is always riding sidecar with me. She's not someone I can ditch. But there, there's something about creating the separation that she's not yeah. actually me. She's she's somebody who hangs with me. And yep, sometimes yep, we yep, get yep. along. But there's something about creating that little bit of separation that I'm like, oh, yeah, there she is going off on her on her rent again. Absolutely. And uh, my another one of my clients is hers is Dolores. So I uh, for me, it's also about um, a big part of all the work I do and the way I live my life is levity and humor. And for me, it's also about finding that is like naming it because it makes it funnier. And it makes it easier to deal with things and unpack things and be with things, at least for me, if there's humor and levity in it. Mm, totally. And like, yeah, Judgy Jenna just sounds, it's, it, you make yourself laugh when you say it. She's like the old lady from Downton Abbey, you know, with the pursed up lips and she clutches her pearls when I do certain things and, you know, arches an eyebrow. And so I've created a whole persona for her and I that works, it. that works for me. That works. I love for it. Me. I love it. So before we go into talking about how you changed your relationship with shame and how you can help us to liberate ourselves from its wily grip, and maybe someone, there might be someone on the planet who hasn't read your brilliant book. Did you notice my manicure? Actually, it's really was, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> that was a coincidence, but hey, I'm going to milk it. So for someone who hasn't read your book yet, can you give a little bit of backstory on the way that your relationship used to be with shame? You know, it was such a deeply embedded part of me that I feel like I was, uh, I was just shame embodied. Like I, I was walking through the world as shame. I, you know, I lost my father when I was eight and I blamed myself. And there was a lot of shame in that. And be right before he died, the last thing he said to me was that I was being bad and making him not feel good. And so I internalized that, you know, uh, everything became my fault. I'm bad. And I think that was the, if not the genesis of it, the, that probably was the genesis, the, the, the origin story of it. I never, I never dealt with that grief. I just, uh, locked it in my body and, uh, went on with my life. And then I found a way to metabolize the grief or so I thought and, and to feel like I was in control, which was anorexia and I nearly died. And I think ultimately it was like the shame of being me. I just wanted to disappear. It wasn't a conscious, you know, I'm trying to kill myself thing, but absolutely trying to make myself go away. And then there's been a lot, you know, I, was, I started losing my hearing. I mean, now I wear hearing aids and I read lips, but back then I was like in such denial. I would never tell the truth about it. You know, people would um, confront me. Some of my friends had an intervention and I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I can hear fine. And I was so ashamed. I felt broken. I felt stupid, bad, wrong. You know, something's wrong with me. Um, and eventually all the things that I was carrying around, they broke me. I, I ended up 
you know, I had a bit of a breakdown and I left school. I left NYU to take a semester off, which the joke is it's still going on because I never went back. And so I became a college dropout and I got a summer job at a restaurant and I never left. So I was a career waitress. I was going to be a poet and I ended up, you know, slinging veggie burgers and just, it broke me the shame of it all. And eventually I went on antidepressants, you know, praise the Lord of science and i found yoga and yoga became my way out as a yoga teacher and i began to transmute shame through my writing i came back to my writing and yoga and all the things that i all the years of working at the restaurant of being with people and all my gifts and i kind of melded them all together and created this thing that i do now in the world these workshops and I began to talk about my shame and write about it. And although at first it was very scary because I thought, especially in the beginning of being a yoga teacher, I thought, oh, this is gonna make people never wanna come to my class. You know, the opposite happened, the opposite. And it was a, a real turning point for me because I thought, oh, it's all the things I've been trying to hide or really what the world loves about me or what people, someone else needs to hear or see or feel. And I began to realize that it was it was in the sharing and in the community that I was able to every day put down shame. And so now, you know, every once in a while, I still catch myself having old shame stories, but I just don't hide anymore. I do not hide anymore. I would love us to dissect that process a little bit because it sounds so simple. It is simple. What? But what? The, the not the hiding? Whole, the whole that this happened and then you decided that you were going to stop hiding your shame. And I'm sure when you were in it, there's a certain level of taking a risk, thinking, what the hell do I have to lose? Like we get to a certain point where the shame, it takes so much energy to hold in your emotional gut. <laughs> You know, it's like trying to suck your gut in emotionally for years and decades. And maybe for you, it, it was the the depression. Maybe for you, it was feelings bubbling up. But can you take us back to that messy place where you just decided, fuck it, because I'm going for this. I'm not. Holding but the, but there, there, I mean, it's so interesting hearing you say this because Yes, it does sound really simple. And also that's for brevity's sake, right? It's like, yeah, of course. Uh, how, how, how can I say this in two minutes? You know, we're talking uh, <laughs> 15 year. I mean, when did I start? 2008 is when I went on antidepressants and we're in 2021 right now, right? So there's like uh, many, many years <laughs> that I just truncated into like a very, a very brief um, synopsis, but I don't think there was, that's the thing. It, it's like, it, I don't think there was just one thing. It was a culmination of my entire life of shoving things down, you know, of pretending I didn't care when my dad died, of never dealing with my eating disorder. Never did. I, I dropped out of school and I started to gain weight back. So everyone thought I was fine. And I was still, I was just never able to maintain that particular deathly uh, thinness again, but I was still torturing myself sick inside. Every single thing, I was still deaf, you know, or going deaf. Every single thing, I just kept shoving, shoving, shoving until like you said, there's like this 
a breaking point. And I, I think it was going on meds, honestly, because I, you know, I've said they've changed my life. And then people will say, well, you changed your life. Yes. But the, the medication allowed me to see a glimmer of hope or possibility where there was none. So with that, I never wanted to be a yoga teacher. I was like, no, I'd rather fall on a knife. With that, like a week later, literally, I was like, maybe I will take a yoga teacher training as an escape route. And it was like this little to, of the restaurant, this these little, um, you know, I end my book with the words, now what? It was these little now what's that started adding up. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. It was terrifying to take a yoga teacher training. It was terrifying to finish and be like, I really don't want to be a yoga teacher. But then my mom built me a website and I started teaching and I was like, huh, I'm good at this. It was terrifying to start to read my poems in class. And then when I really started to share honestly in my writing in a way that I wanted to write, which wasn't cutesy or clever or listicles or, or like, you know, a, a way to get people to come to my yoga class, which is how I had been writing, like bloggy. When I was like, you know what, I want to, I want to, I'm a poet. And I started, you know, writing about grief and depression and, and, and anorexia and deafness. That was scary back then because I had never done that except in my poetry. And it was terrifying and I posted it on social media. But again, the, the, I just posted about this yesterday. The response was so life affirming. And I want to say the danger in that is, is, you know, I did a whole post about the, the danger in allowing that to, to give us life. Now it adds to my life now, but it doesn't give me life, that validation. But I'm grateful for it back then because that validation of people like clapping or going, yeah, me too, allowed me to keep going and to keep sharing and to keep putting myself out there. Um, yeah, it was it was um, scary. And it, uh, you're right when you say it's simple and it's also not simple. It's taken me many years to be at the place where I'm no longer hiding. But... I will die on a hill that says you don't have to take as long as I did. You don't. You don't. You make a choice and every single day you make that choice. Every day, it's all about daily practices. Every day, who am I gonna be today? How do I wanna feel? May I have the courage to be who I say I am? That line, you know, every day of my life, I live that. And what is that going to look like? So I just went off on a tangent. No, I think this tangent is necessary because for people who have come out the other side of creating a life that contains the toxicity of shame. There was a meme on Instagram not long ago or a little short reel or video of a woman who had, this was a reel, not a cartoon. She had one of those above ground pools, you know, that you set up and you fill it with yeah yeah and what she did it was filled with all this murky water looked a bit gross and then she took a hunting knife and she jabbed the side of the pool and the murky water just (laughs) just blew oh I love that and it made me think that this is what it feels like for me anyway sample size of one what it felt like to release shame what shame loss has felt like for me is all of this murky contained water and 
for me, there were many different hunting knives that helped that opening and that releasing and it was messy and it was like I was bowled over so many times and I think this tangent of yours is important for people to see that it's not just tra la 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 off you go you decide and then it's all happy clappy it it's messy and it's hard and it's fucked up sometimes it's it's important I think for people who are in the mess to see that it's not well, yeah and I mean I think, uh, you know, I'm working on my next book right now, and I was just writing this part yesterday about, and, and you've heard me talk about this because you've taken my my virtual retreat, but everything is about daily practices. And, and that really was missing for me. And that was something that I, I really realized during COVID. And I thought I had nailed it, but I hadn't. Meaning I woke up again during COVID, depressed and on the floor and back in a space that I was like, how did I get here again? I thought I'd never be here again. How am I in this murky water again? And I realized, you know, yeah, first of all, we were in a global pandemic, but I wasn't doing daily practices, meaning, you know, starting the day with my morning prayer or, or whatever it is, I was just going through the motions. So um, the messiness came up for me again and it still sometimes does and every day i put it down you know every day i look at it and i go you know like in yoga we call it being a witness so i witness it without judging i go oh wow okay and i and i put it down every single day and stuff still comes up i just you know i had some stuff about shame come up recently and it was a um a blind spot and it was a real breakthrough to realize that like oh wow i thought i was like doing pretty good and i realized i was still carrying some shame around about how i was living in my apartment and i didn't judge it i just looked at it and and i thought oh that's interesting okay and i put it down so one thing i think would be really useful here for somebody who's listening who has felt that they needed to manage their image in other words look perfect you know manage their the way that they appear to the world or for somebody who has gotten out of their body and they're basically a head on legs because they're, they don't want to, <laughs> hello, that was me for most of my life. Or um, just somebody who's pushing all that stuff down and it's becoming unsustainable. So they might, uh -huh. be, pa they might be pacing the perimeter of the pool with the hunting knife, knowing that this has to change. Yeah. And you're so practical. One of the things that has really changed my life is not only your in-person retreat in London, which really was so useful, and your book and coming to your, your virtual retreats too, is exactly this, that it doesn't have to be like one sweeping thing that changes your life. It can be small, cumulative practices. Take us to some of those practices that you've you've mentioned already. You mentioned your now what. You mentioned your morning prayer. Let's unpack some of those for someone who doesn't really know what you're talking about. And they're sitting on yeah. the edge of their seat saying, help me to release the murky water. Yeah, yeah. There are many, you know, and some of them are more subtle. Like, I'm obsessed with the idea that who are your people who are you spending your time with and I don't even necessarily mean in real life but you know on social media or whose podcast are you listening to so really being intentional with 
your circle, with your people. Like really, really, really. Um, the morning prayer. The first thing I'd say is, if possible, sleeping with your cell phone not in your bedroom or not right next to your head so that it's not the last thing and the first thing that you do. That was a game changer for me. And starting the day with this thing I call the body prayer, the morning prayer, which is you generate it from your own body. You place your hands on a place in your body and you write as if you're writing from that place. And from those words and from from anything really that's trying to come through, you create this prayer beginning with the words, may I remember. And the idea and the reason may I remember is so powerful is because I believe, I know that it, what, the prayer that you come up with is what you already know, you just forgot. <laughs> may I remember? And then it's like, well, what do I want to remember today? How do I want to start my day with intentionality? Who do I want to be today? How do I want to feel? What am I, what am I excited about? You know, and, and letting that be the very first thing before you check email, before you start looking at the news before you look at Instagram, you know, really being intentional with that. Um, and the prayer, I also add TMI, which sounds like too much information, but it's today, may I, today, may I, today, may I, because everything's about the daily practices, right? Today, may I allow myself joy. Today, may I, I include levity, because again, it's like life is hard, so lighten up. One of the things that made this so powerful meet for me as a recovering perfectionist, recovering overachiever, is to stay contained in that space is who do I need to be for you to like me? Who do I need to be to fit in? And I actually completely lost touch with my own desires and what my own wants were. It's like, who do you want me to be? I can, you know, I can be whatever persona is needed that you give me love and safety. And I think once the murky water is released, this prayer, this morning practice, coming back to it again and again and again is a place to explore who you are when you don't need to be somebody. Exactly. What a beautiful way to put it. And I, I'm so pleased with myself that I so rarely feel that anymore. You know, I've like, I'm in my mid forties and I was like, you know, I just, I will, I will be me no matter where I am. And I'm really good at that. You know, so if I'm, and I wasn't always that way, you know, when I worked at the restaurant, I worked at this very trendy Hollywood restaurant. I feel I was always, you know, who who can I be and will they like me? And I'm, this is me. So you're right. The prayer, it, it's a real reminder of who do, who do I want to be for me? I get to decide. And the word allow is really powerful. So that's in it a lot. You know, may I allow whatever it may be. Could you jog people's thinking a little bit in terms of what that could, because remember somebody might be listening who's never done this before and they're used to being really contained. So what could this look like? May I remember, just give us yeah, some examples. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you some of mine. Let's see. May I remember to breathe and again, breathe. Today may I not compare myself to anyone. Today may I not punish or deprive my body. Today may I allow myself pleasure. May I remember I'm a writer, so write, damn it. That's actually part of my prayer. 
Um, today, may I find what brings me joy and do that. Today, may I allow. May I drop my shoulders down. Today, may I allow myself to unclench. May I remember money comes easily and frequently. May I allow it? May I remember it is safe for me to have financial freedom. May I be a human, thank you. May I allow, trying to think, may I allow myself to feel good. May I find what brings me joy and do that. These are some of the things in my prayer. So if there's someone in he- listening who's like, has an eating disorder, you know, maybe every morning, like they're starving themselves or whatever it is, every morning part of their prayer is like, today may I allow myself, my, allow myself nourishment. Today may I allow myself to eat the fucking bagel, right? Whatever it is. <laughs> and this is also, I found that when I started doing this practice, it really helped not only in the morning, because it helped me to really set my intention for the day, but it also helped when these these little limiting beliefs, these these bullshit stories come up that are still hangovers of being contained and small and perfect and invisible. So one thing that happened recently that, that we've been talking about because you're one of my coaches and one of the things that I've aspired to create is space my new office. I wanted a tumble dryer. I wanted, you know, these very specific things. And when we moved into this house two weeks ago, I was unpacking glasses out of the newspaper in the kitchen. My best friend was there. My husband was there. The kids were helping. We were playing music. The dog was, you know, getting in the way. And I had this perfect moment of happiness. It was even sunny. Okay, in London, which is a big thing. And I just felt myself overflowing with joy. And all of a sudden, Janet showed up, Judgy Janet showed up, and she said, Don't get too used to this. It's not going to last. You're going to get cancer. And if you don't get cancer, your husband will get cancer. And then it will feel even worse because you can't afford this and you'll have to give it up. So I don't get too comfortable with this. And this whole idea of defensive pessimism, like I don't deserve good things to happen to me. So, I mean, I've been doing deep work for well over a decade. You know, it's, and as you said, you're not doing it wrong when these things come up, when they keep bubbling up. But when I remember what you just said, may I remember that I'm allowed to have financial abundance. I'm allowed to have a new home. Like good things can happen to me and I can receive them. I mean, that's my whole next book, you know? It's it's <laughs> that's that's look, that's Janet's job, right? Is to she thinks she's protecting you and it's okay, you're not, Janet. I see you, I get it, and I don't need you anymore. So go sit over there. Um you know, I have a sticky note right here and in my bedroom too that says I get to have this. And so, you know, that's a a very boring, common thing that Janet said to you and, and mine says to me is like, you don't get to be this happy, but you do. And I do, I get to have this. 
And I encourage everyone to get a sticky note and put that on it. And then ask yourself, what's this? I get to have this. What's my this? What is it? And it's not necessarily like the big house, the dog. I mean, that stuff's great, but that's it's more this idea of like what Janet tells us we can't have, right? Like your your birthright isn't misery and stress and pain. It's just not. One of the lines in my own prayer, and I encourage people to borrow, is may I become my prayer. So Ooh. it just becomes you and you walk through the world as that. And then it's like a mantra, you know, on repeat. I'd rather... I'd rather have that um, stuck in my head, like something from my prayer, than I'm going to get cancer. I don't get to be this happy. I'm broke. I'm tired, right? Better have that shit stuck in your head than the uh, inner asshole dialogue. So yes, you carry it with you all day. And then the, the, it's a ritual. Rituals are so important. And, and the, the second part of it or the yin to the yang or however you want to think about it is this um journal called the let yourself off the hook book and you know you write in it throughout the day whatever anytime there's something you want to let yourself off the hook for and without judgment you know you put it in that book but specifically before you go to bed so it's like you're dumping into this book you go to bed empty, clean slate, wake up, start again. And it's that idea like you get to start again every day, right? So let's say in the morning you're like, may I be a human, thank you. May I find what brings me joy and do that. And you walk through the day and you're a real dickhead and you're, you know, whatever. Let yourself off the hook and start it again. Otherwise, where do you put that Let's call it shame. Where do you put that feeling of like, I failed. I didn't live up to what I said this morning I was going to do. I just think it's a really, really useful practice. And maybe eventually you won't be putting anything in there or less things, you know? I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Jen will be back in just a minute to give us some of her rituals and ideas on how to shift your relationship with shame and how to be more authentic and real. But before we go there, I wanted to invite you, dear listener, to write into the podcast with what is shifting for you as you listen to these episodes. Is there a specific guest who you think, ah, I really did that thing that they said and now my life has shifted? I want to know details, not only because I'm nosy, but because I want to share your little snippet of insight in one of the next episodes. So do write in at hello at mandyletto.com. That is hello at m-a-n-d-y-l-e-h-t-o.com for me to read your little segment on how your life has been changed listening to our brilliant guests. Now let's get back to Jen. What would you say to somebody who feels the pull to be more real and more authentic, but they're not quite sure how to go about it. What would you say? Well, I, I see, I, I don't know. I, I, I would call bullshit. I'd be like, what do you, I don't understand. What do you mean you don't know how to be more real? I, I like literally break that down for me. The second thing is, this is so interesting, this black mirror world we live in, because are you talking about social media? It could be social media, but I think it 
yeah, maybe the, maybe the platform, the stage might matter, but what if we were just starting in their own lives? Is, is it merely allowing yourself to want what you want? Is it where? Do yeah. You and I'd say it's about integrity and it's about really learning how to be in touch with your body and to tell the truth all the time. It's it, it, so that's why it is actually very simple and, and you get better at it with practice, which is why I'm great at it right now because I've been practicing for a long time. No, I've, I've always been fairly good for whatever reason. I don't question it. I just say, thank you at, you know, um, being how I am now, I've gotten better in terms of caring less about what people think or, or just showing up as I am. You know, I remember I did a retreat to Italy, one of the, the first one I did actually, and it was rough. It was so not my favorite. And I didn't know who I was then. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was like, I think I called it like yoga, wine and food. I don't, I don't know. And I, I brought uh, two friends of mine, teachers from Philadelphia and, and it was really cheap. It was like dirt cheap. And I basically just wanted bodies and that's exactly what I got. And it was like some really, a couple of really mean people, a couple of really mean guys. It was just, but I allowed that. I attracted that because it, I didn't, there was no discernment. I was just like, you know, I just need validate. I just need bodies essentially. And it was after that, I was like, huh, that didn't work out for me. And that was a painful experience, but I'm never going to do that again. And I started getting clarity on, well, what do I want? Who do I want to be? And who do I want in my retreat or in my room or in my life? So back to the question though, is like, how do you go about being more real? Is like, start to notice where you're lying, you know? And just start to, you feel it in your body, you do. Unless you're really, really disconnected, which some people are, you feel it in your body when you're not telling the truth or when you're not, it's not a full body yes. Or or like when you're saying, start by, by saying no when you wanna say no, there's one. There's a real tangible thing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of this, as I'm listening to your story unfold here, it sounds like a lot of it, if we're drawing strands together, a lot of it is really experimentation. Trying, knowing that what you've done before doesn't work, it doesn't give you the full body yes, and trying something different and going, Hmm. And so it's a, it's lots of small movements. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm, 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 I'm going to write about this now because I'm, I'm really hooked on this idea of like, if someone wants to be more real. I find it to be a fascinating question. It goes back to what you said about, huh, who do I think people want me to be? So it's the yeah, unpicking it's like, of all of that. It's the unpicking of who I think I'm supposed to be as a woman, as a lover, as a mother, as a daughter, as a sibling, you know, in the workplace. There's all these layers and layers. And I think what I'm hearing you say is we start to unpick these by experimenting with our own what, what is under there where when we let all of those shoulds go one of your favorite lines should is an asshole right when should we is an asshole <laughs> but it's really about coming back to being in your body and learning how to listen and tell the truth and so it's like okay what do i want how do i feel right now you know am i hungry i mean literally all in my body and then we just tell the truth. 
and you can't go wrong with that. And I think for so long, so many people, myself included in the past, have, have learned to not listen to our body or shut off what we're feeling or what we really want. And it's coming back to that. Just what is it that I want? What is my thought, my feeling, my personality, my dorky jokes, whatever it is. And, and letting go of the notion of what will they think? And I know it's not easy. It's not, but it's possible. Mm. And seeing how you are now and the way that you, as I said at the beginning, where we started from, you're a commitment to imperfection and the effect that I've seen that have in your classes that I've participated in, the effect that I know that's had on me, the effect I know that's had on people who have read your book and talked to me about it is, and you never even intended this, I'm sure, but- Well, no, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, girl, I'm not like, it's, it's, I'm not committed. It's, I just am. I'm not committed to that. Like, it's not even like, even me telling you before this, I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot. We have this recording. I'm just, you know, um, I think here, let me, let me rephrase it. It's not a commitment to imperfection. It's a commitment to being honest or being transparent about it. I think that's what it is because I don't, I don't have to like, this is just the way I, <laughs> way I am. Um, and it's the way all of us are. Everyone is imperfect. So it's about just telling the truth about who I am. This is me. Take it or leave it. And some people are going to take it and some people are going to leave it. And I'm always going to keep taking it, you know? Yeah. And what I, what I meant by this too is that by you being unapologetically transparent, by you being unapologetically you, and yes, all that, that glory. That, yes, yes. It permissions yes. other people mm -hmm. to experiment with what that could feel like for them because it's not like you want them to do it like you. No. They're not, that's. Hell no, don't do it like me. You'll, you'll, you'll forget things. You, you'll double book. You'll, you'll <laughs> never make your bed. I mean, come on. You'll, you know, you'll be in your pajamas for a week, but you're right. It's, um, it's, it's the unapologetic, uh, unapologeticness, an apology, however you want to word it, <laughs> of it all. I just won't, I won't apologize. I mean, I'll apologize if I'm an asshole. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I hurt you or, you know, I do something shitty, which I'm sure I've done, I'm human, but I won't apologize for just for being me for the way that I show up. The world adjusts. And I think this is the thing that's moving from this place, which is where I think the yoga and the body part comes into it is, I don't know how you felt when you were in the grips of shame, but I felt so rigid. So like everything has to be a certain way. It's very staccato and very rigid and very contained. The allowing, the experimenting brings this flow and this suppleness. Yeah, you know, I never, because of my personality, our personalities are so opposite, you and I. Like, I think you're, if we would go by, like, you're more type A and I'm like type Z, right? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, but, so I, I've never had anything be rigid, except this is what fascinates me, that I was anorexic. It fascinates me because... 
it's the only time in my life. And, and it is precisely that's why, because that was, that was the way that I found that control and that rigidity and that containment because in no other area, you know, I spill over and I'm messy and, and that was the one area, but in every other area, no, I had never, that, that is not my experience. In fact, it's the other, everything just feels loose and out of control. And this is what's so great about being human, right? How people are experiencing like, but that's not what it's like for me. But, but ultimately we're talking about the same thing. We just experience it differently. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to have you here because not every experience will look the same. And we're still, like Ram Das says, we're all walking each other home. I love that quote. It's one of my very, very favorites. I mean, it's why I do what I do. It's how I live my life. It is a North Star community. Yep, we're all, I got you, right? We're all just walking each other home. Yeah. How can people hang out with you? What's your favorite place for people to experience more gen and wisdom and play with you? Well, um, as far as social media, I'm on Instagram the most, Jen Pasteloff. Uh, my website is jenniferpasteloff.com or don'tbeanasshole.net. They both lead the same place. Um, but uh, yeah, I do um, virtual retreats now online. The next one will be in October. And I have in-person stuff happening in Europe in September. But Instagram, and also I'm on an app called Mind, M-I-N-E-D, twice a week. So there's lots of places, but I guess first start with Instagram and then from there, you know, see where I'm at or get my book on being human. It's brilliant. It's one of my top books ever. It's it's real. That means a lot. Thank you. Makes it made every cell of my body zing. I have gifted that to so many people. Thank you. Every guest I have on the podcast, I ask them to lay a brick on this journey to enough as we're coming back to ourselves without all the layers, the unnecessary layers. It could be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be a quote, whatever lands in your heart. What would you say? You know, what I always want to say is don't be an asshole, but which is true. And I think that's the greatest brick of wisdom ever. But I think, um, you know, I'm working on my new book and, and I'm writing this chapter called I Got You, which is my tattoo and how I try to live my life. And, and the epiphany I had yesterday as I was writing, and it's going to be a big part of the next book, is live and I got you life. Meaning find those people that I referenced earlier in the interview, you know, your people, and you also be them, be that for them. But most importantly, you must be able to look in the mirror and say, I got you to yourself. And that that's a really newfound revelation. Go, ah, oh, that was the missing, that was the missing link. Yeah. You know, do not abandon thyself. That is, I think, that lens for me immediately. That was clearly a missing link for me. It was be all things to all others. And yep. you know, if there's any crumbs left over, then there'll be something for you. And done with that done with that. Thank you, beautiful soul. Thank you. I'm so honored to have played with you today and to share you with people and to get them reading your book. And we are waiting with bated breath for your next book. So get writing. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that all day today here in California. So enjoy London, and I will be there as soon as I can. Oh, we can't wait! Thank you for playing. All right, we both know that you're a pretty rad human, right? And I know you're probably already thinking, who can I share this episode and Jen Pasteloff's wisdom with? Thank you in advance for doing that. Next week on the podcast, I have self-compassion teacher and storyteller extraordinaire, Catherine Kell on the podcast. And I promise you, I didn't just invite her here so you could listen to her luscious Scottish accent. I mean, who doesn't love a Scottish accent, right? We talk about what happens when a profound, unforeseen event smacks you upside the head one day, you didn't see it coming, and all of a sudden that self that you always identified with no longer exists. How do you move on from that? How do you re-identify with yourself and how do you get to a place of feeling enough when you no longer really know who you are? And you need to almost fall to your knees on the floor and break down completely. If you're ever going to move past this, you need to surrender to how life is now. It's a deep, juicy, profound episode. So make sure you and your ears are here, same place, same time next week. As ever, thank you for playing with us. Don't forget to send us in your snippet of which episode has changed your life and how. We will be collecting those at hello at mandyletto.com. And until next week, I'm signing out to create more goodness for you. See you next time. Mm-hmm.